You've been listening to a sermon audio resource from the ministries at First Baptist Church in Cedarvale, Kansas. We pray that this encourages you and challenges you on your walk this week with Christ. To find out more about what's going on at First Baptist Church in Cedarvale, you can go to our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. Thank you and God bless. Colossians 3, and we'll, we're just going to start in verse 1, is where we're going to be at. I'll, just, I'll, I'll read for a moment, and then we'll just dive in. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, I want us to understand something. Worship is not the enemy of evangelism. Worship, loving Christ, seeing Christ for who He is, is all beautiful and all glorious and all powerful, Seeing God like this is not the enemy of bringing people in. I've I've lived my whole life. I've lived my whole life in church. My dad was a pastor, is still a pastor to this day. Um, I've sat in church services like this, sat in pews like this my entire life. 42 this year and been 42 years sitting in pews my my whole life. And I have watched in awe. And in wonder at just, just the astonishing things that take place in the church. I've seen men and women who have headed to hell miraculously be snatched from the clutches of the eternal flame and damnation. And, and we've seen people who have been bogged down with the muck and the mire of addiction set free now by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, I've seen these things and it's beautiful and it's glorious and it's wonderful. And I, I just, I'm overwhelmed by what God can and does do. But yet still in the world in which we live, even in the midst of all of the astonishing things that are happening, we still see people that are shackled up and that are chained up to the material things of this world, to the sinful things of this world. We, we hear stories, we read headlines where men and women, even inside of the church, even inside of the church, fall to their own lusts. They get caught up in some sort of extortion or there's some sort of a lustful thing that takes place, adultery, fornication, any of those things. And I, I, we ask ourselves, I, when you see those headlines, you hear people say, why? Why did that take place? Why did that go down? Well, here's what my, my simple answer is this. They're not viewing God as the end all be all. They're not seeing Jesus as mighty, holy, sovereign, and majestic. Rather, they're viewing their own lives as the end all be all to fulfillment. So Paul tells us in the first part of this, he goes, if, if you've been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on things of the earth. Why? For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then also will you appear with him in glory. So Paul makes this declaration. 
If we are in Christ, if we are a part of Christ, if we're infused, if we're engrafted into Christ, you and I should look different. If we are Christ followers, we should act different. Amen? Come on, wake up now. Then why is it that many of us are not? Why is it that many people in the church are no different than the people outside of the church? Why is it there's, there, there's no big difference? Could it simply be this, that we're not heeding the mandate that was set forth in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11? You say, well, Caleb, what is that? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Go to Hebrews chapter 5 and read this with me. I don't, you guys just must have your devices out because I don't know. I don't hear pages turning. Hebrews 5, 11 says this. About this... We have much to say. And it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. So could it be that we've not, we've just become dull of hearing of this thing and we've just, we've been in church our whole lives and it's just sort of kind of been the thing that we do. Why? Why don't we, we just sort of kind of, it's dull of hearing. We don't want to hear much of it anymore. We've become comfortable in our own skin. We've become comfortable in our pews. And I think it's time that we get maybe a little uncomfortable in our pews. Paul tells us, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that you're above where Christ is seated. When is the last time, think about this, when is the last time that you looked at God's utter and beautiful majesty, the glory of our God? When is the last time you took time to see God as Isaiah saw him in Isaiah chapter 6? Where when Isaiah walks into the throne room, he sees God not just as a meek and mild Christmas baby. But he sees God as the sovereign king of the universe on his throne. And when he speaks, the doorposts shake and the entire place is filled with smoke. And he has to pronounce a curse on himself. When Isaiah saw this, he, he didn't ask him, he didn't start thinking, man, I need to know if I can, my 401k. I wonder how that's going. I wonder how my house is going. I wonder how this is happening. He wasn't thinking about that. All he thought about was, this is the God of the universe and I am inferior to him and all I have, the only only thing I can do is worship. The only thing I can do is get on my face and worship and just say, God, I'm not worthy. God, I, you're not worthy. And Jesus comes in and says, you're forgiven. You're reconciled. Because I think if we're doing more of this on a regular basis, if we saw God like this, not the making my little Christmas baby like so many people see, what if we saw God for who He actually is? I think if we, if we saw God like this, man, we wouldn't play around with sin. We wouldn't tiptoe around sin. We see God as He truly is. We wouldn't snuggle up to the world. We'd actually wage war on both our sin and the sinful things of the world. Like we're, we're a new creation. Like the, the scriptures tell you and I that you and I are new creations. When we see Christ, when we see Christ in this light and see what he's done on our behalf and view the changes that he's made in our lives, the lenses through which we view this world should change everything. 
It should change everything. The things that once held us captive should no longer have power over us. But why is it that so many of us are still enslaved to the powers of this world? I honestly believe it's because we're not seeing God in this light. We're seeing God, as I've said many times before, as the magical bellhop. The things that once held us captive should no longer have power over us. The the taste that once we craved in our mouths should now disgust us if we attempt to partake in it. Why? Because Christ has become, as we sang this morning, the breath that we breathe, the air that we breathe, the bread of life. Like that should be our hope. He is the breath of life. He is the living water. He is the bread of life. He is the reason I can like, just, just breathe in for a minute. Like just seriously, just do that with me. Just breathe in. You could do that because God allowed you to do it. Like that is never, like I never want to lose the awe of that. Christ has become all these things to us. According to Psalms chapter 34 verse 8, he says this, that we're invited in to taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, can I get an amen to it from somebody? Is God good? Like, taste and see that he's, he's actually better than everything else that the world's trying to dangle and offer you. Like, as I sit around and I watch the stuff that goes on in our world right now, I'm just like, man, I'm ready for God to set his kingdom up. I want to see sin eradicated. I want to see my own, not just my neighbor's sin, but I really want to see my sin eradicated because it's my sin that causes a majority of my problems. Amen? I'm just thinking, I, I am the reason that I have a lot of problems in my life. It's me. It's not Andy. But we're invited in to see and taste and see that God is good. And it says, blessed, he continues, says, blessed is the man who takes refuge in God. Like that's, that's good news. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed and the new has come. So as a result of this, of us setting our minds on higher things, eternal things, verse 2 and 3 come into play. Verse 2 and 3 come into play. When we set our minds, look at this, set your minds on things that are above, not on things of this earth, for you have died and your life, the life that you have, is now hidden in Christ, in God. When Christ, who appears... When he appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now listen, because the old sin nature, the old man has been put to death, like Romans chapter 6 tells us, that it tells us, you guys don't believe me, go to Romans 6. I don't know about you, Caleb, are you sure about that? Romans 6 tells us exactly what happens to the old man. Romans 6 gives us a very clear picture. Listen to this. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin still live 
in it. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? So here's what's, when when Jesus Christ died on the cross, guess who else died on the cross with him? You did. Exactly. Raise that hand. Amen. Come on. I like like that lady. Come on. That's awesome. She's She's on the same boat with me. That's good. You and I were the ones that died on the cross too. So therefore, because we've died, we're in Christ. So when Christ was raised, guess who was raised with him? I was. You were. We were raised with Jesus Christ. So as a result of that, we've got to set our minds on this. Because the old man's been put to death, my sin nature is dead. Like I have power over this because God's given me the power over it. Like a dead man can't sin. Like if, I, if, if we wheeled in, if I said, you know what, I'm going to get extreme today, and I had somebody wheel in a casket, and we popped it open, and there was a dead guy in there, doesn't matter what we laid in front of him, doesn't matter what walked past him, he's not, his head's not going to turn. He's not going to, ooh, why? Because he's dead. And that's the, that's the idea here. We're dead to our sins. We are to die to our sins. So when that stuff comes by, we're not even looking. We're not even caring. Why? Because my life is hidden with Christ. I've died to the old ways and I've been raised to newness of life. I've been raised into this new life. I've been, I put this old stuff to death and we're alive in Christ. He is in you and you are in Him. Our hope, our hope, your hope lies within the person and the work of Jesus Christ alone. What Christ did on the cross was sufficient to get you where you need to be. And when this becomes the foundational principle upon which you stand, hell itself can't touch you. Period. Can't get you. You can overcome any sin, any addiction, any anxiety, any depression, any of these things can be overcome, not in your own strength, not in your own might, not in your own will, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of God resides in you, so as a result of that, you have the power to overcome sin because of what Christ has already done on the cross. Amen? Woo! Man. He is the reason we're able to walk. He is the reason we're able to breathe. He is the reason we have purpose. He is. And when all of this comes to pass, verse 4, when Christ who is your life appears, then also you will appear with Him in glory. You see, He, God Almighty, Jesus Christ is your security. Like that's pretty secure. Jesus Christ is your security. Let me tell you how secure you are. You're as secure as the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. How secure is the relationship between God the Father and God the Son? That's how secure you are. We have our security in Him. It's, it, it just told us that we are in Him and we will appear with Him in glory. That is a certainty. That's not a... You might... Like the text doesn't say... When Christ appears, who is your glory? You might appear with Him too. It says, when Christ, not if, but when Christ appears, what? He's your life, then what? 
you also will, it's a declarative statement, you will appear with him in glory. You will be with him in glory. That is a 100% a certain fact. That if you're in Christ, you will appear with him. That's not up for a debate. There's, and I know we Baptists love committees. There's no committee on this one. There's not. There's no committee here. God decreed it and this is the facts. You are in Him. This is going to stand for all eternity. You are with Him. There's no committee that's going to stand and say around and go, Well, I don't know. I don't know if they can get in or not. I don't know if they belong or not. No, Christ just said, If you're in Him, you've been raised with Him, you will appear with Him in glory. Wow. He wipes away, he wipes away everything. He says, I am that I am. You don't need anyone else. I am enough. I am enough. So, I, like guys, I'm telling you, like today, see this for what it is. That God has stood before us and he says, I'm more than enough for you. You don't have to worry about what's coming down the pike. You don't have to worry about what's going on in the world in which we live, I'm more than enough. I'm Jesus. I am sovereign king of the universe. The reason we have so many that are falling short and running towards the things of the world is because they're not looking at the right person. They're looking at their own circumstances and their own life and thinking, man, if I could just get in the right group, if I could just get a part of the right circumstances, if I could just be with the right people, then I could be okay. No, we've got to get our minds off of this and look at the right figure. They're trying to figure things out on their own. Men and women are trying to, like, the, like we're all trying, we're looking for answers. How do, we get, how do we get past all this? How do we get past racism? How do we get past injustice? How do we get past all these things? Jesus. Jesus will change everything. Making some sort of a decree or a law or passing some sort of legislation, that doesn't fix it. That's a moralistic outside attempt to try to mold and shape. You can't mold and shape something from the outside and expect it to have everlasting changes. It has to be changed from the inside out. Amen? It has to be changed from the inside out. Because I've met a lot of people. I met a lot of people. I can think of my friend Josh. When I was in high school with Josh, he was in youth group with us. He went to camp with us. He did all the things that church kids do. Um, but there wasn't a hunger and a longing for Christ. He, he hung out with me because he wanted to hang out with me. Josh is now in prison for robbery and Assault, and, he, and I, I saw him going downhill. You know what changed? He got his driver's license, and he just sort of church became. He showed up every once in a while, and then all of a sudden, I'm just so busy. I'm working so hard to take care of, making sure I've got my insurance paid and my stuff paid and my lifestyle paid for. I'm working so hard, and he just evaporated and didn't never came back to church. Never, I mean, I, I saw him. The only other time he showed up for church was one other time when he was in the midst of a crisis. And we prayed over him and gathered him and hugged him and told him we loved him. And he was there for about one week. 
a Sunday and Wednesday, and then he left again, and haven't seen him since. Like he's got his, he's got his, he had a, he had a short view of this life. He longed for the things of the world rather than the things of Christ. He chased after the stuff, and so many people chase after God as a fire insurance God. I don't want to go to hell, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Ask Jesus into my heart so that I don't have to go to hell. How narcissistic is that? That's a narcissistic view of God. You use God for an end to you, you use God to get something out of Him. I, I want comfort and everlasting life in heaven. I don't want to have discomfort in hell. So, what's my reason for coming to Christ? Not because He's worthy and should be worshiped and just uh, that I'm a wretch and that I need to be saved. It's Hmm. I'm going to weigh my options here. Option one, live in sin and go to hell. I don't like, I mean, I like the sin part, but I don't want to go to hell. So I'll pray the prayer. And there are millions of people that have prayed prayers and were never truly transformed by the power of the gospel. They came for a selfish motive and they were never changed. And now they're inoculated with a form of godliness. And when you attempt to share the gospel with them, they look at you like you're crazy. Oh, I'm I'm a Christian. Are you? Because the scripture says you'll know them by their fruits. You'll know men and women by their fruits. if If they claim to know Christ, but yet they still look like the world, they're probably not Christians. They're a false convert. We have got to stop trying to make our own way. And rather, and I heard this yesterday in, in a message that a lady was sharing, Frances, Francine Perry. She said that she was trying so hard to look like the right person in the church building so that people would think that she was godly. And she tried, and like, that's, that's the, I think that's the biggest problem in the, world, in the church, is we try to look like we're holy. We try to look like we've got everything figured out. We need to stop trying. We need to start trusting in what Christ has already done for us. Amen? Like that's the goal. Stop trying to like look. Like here's the thing. Because God knows who I am. I was telling us. We were talking about this in Sunday school. We're terrified. We don't want people to know. Like David in 2 Samuel. David covered up his sin. Because he didn't want people to know. God already knew. But he did his dead level best to cover up his sin because he didn't want people to think less of him. We've got people in the church that are trying to cover up their life because they don't want people to think that they don't have it figured out. I'm going to make an educated guess that probably a bulk of us in this room this morning don't have stuff figured out. And guess what? It's okay. Because Christ has it figured out. We need to just put our hope and our trust and our faith in Jesus and what he's already done on our behalf. And rest in that. And guess what? God knew before the foundation of the world that I was going to be messy. God knew that you were going to be messy. And guess what? He still came after you anyways. How amazing is that? That he knew you were messy in the beginning and still said, I want that one. That's the one I want. I like that one. But you and I, that's not how we roll. If we see something that's in a mess, we're like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and distance myself. I'm going to do some social distancing from that one. Because that one's a mess. 
God sees it. He says, yeah, I know it's a mess, but I'm going to change it and make it new. Come on, let's just go get it. Holy Spirit, Jesus, let's go. How amazing is that? We need to stop trying to make this thing on our own. And we need to get our eyes off of ourselves, eyes off of the world, eyes off of the news, eyes off of social media. And then what? If you've been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And we know from Romans chapter 8 that what, what he's doing at the right hand of the Father, don't you? He's actually, according to Romans chapter 8, he's actually interceding for us. God Almighty, Jesus is praying for you. He's interceding on the behalf of His children. Like that's what He's doing. So get your eyes off of what's going on and see Jesus is who He is. He's majestic and glorious and powerful and He's got you. He's got me. What's that old song? He's got the whole world in His hands. He's got the whole world in his hands that's including you and me and everybody brother and that how that went how that my wife's terrified now she's like oh he's gone off script Go look out he doesn't have his notes square in front of him but that's the truth the god of the universe he's got us he's sovereign and he's in control of all things and we don't have to worry I don't have to worry about Like, that's the reason I'm not stressed about who wins or loses the election. Because at the end of this, the king is still on his throne. And if you really want to go down further, you read the scriptures. God is the one who puts kings into place and takes them down. So wait a minute. That's all kings? Yeah, that, that's all kings. That's including Obama. God put him there. That's Trump. God put him there. God put the kings in place that he wants in place. God's the ultimate power. It's not the Republican Party or the Democrats trying to figure it out. Oh, we got this. It's the powers. No, God's got this. God's putting who he wants in charge in charge. And let me just be honest. America's getting what America deserves. We've thumbed our nose and shunned up the God of the universe for years, decades and the scripture says God will not be mocked. When we put sin on a pedestal and exalt sinfulness of all stripes and types. But yet we're, God bless America. Why? Why would he do that? Why would he do that? We deserve wrath. And I believe that's what we're seeing. Romans 1, the wrath of abandonment where God says okay you want to do these things let me just take my hands off and have a good time let's see how this as Dr. Phil would say how's that working for you (laughs) right how's it working out for you oh wait no get your eyes off of the circumstances and look to me seek those things which set your minds set your hearts set your affections on the things that are above and not on this earth because you've died to those things and now you're raised in Christ So church, I'm challenging us this morning to run towards Christ. Get our minds focused this week, this month, this year on Jesus and say, Jesus, you're the one I want above everything else. You're the one I want. That song came up, oh man, you're the one that I want. Okay, man, I've got to stop right now before I'm, I've got to quit. (laughs)
But that's, the, that's my hope for us, guys, is that Jesus is our focus. Jesus is the one. And here's the thing. When we love Christ and we set our fo- f- affections on Christ, guess what? As a result of that, the, lo- uh, the love that we have in our hearts from Christ is going to spill over into the world in which we live and we're going to love people around us, even the difficult ones. In fact, that's what the scripture tells us to do. Love your enemies. That's a tough one. Do good to those who persecute you. And let me just tell you, persecution's coming. It's not, I mean, let me say, persecution's here. It's not coming, it's here. And what, we're, what are we called to do? Well, Caleb, we need to we can get our pistols out and our, our AR-15s and our, our grenades and we'll take every. No. It says do good to those who persecute you. Pray for those folks who do evil to you. I didn't say anything. Like, Caleb, I don't like that. Well, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says love your enemy. Not just love your neighbor, but love difficult people. Because guess what? A bulk of us are difficult and Jesus still loved us. 